May 23rd. I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? Okie <laughs> dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil. The final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount Plus. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, alright. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. The secret to consistency in the Pac-12 is not hidden in the Hollywood Hills or in the sneakers stomping around Eugene, Oregon. No, the recipe in recent years has been hidden in Salt Lake City. Hello, I'm Brendan Marcello, and you're listening to the College Football Daily. The Utah Utes won a Pac-12 championship last season and have won three of the last four South Division titles in that conference. Under veteran coach Kyle Whittingham, no team out West has had as much consistent success than the Utes. That's why no one should be shocked to see Utah, despite two losses this season, listed as a favorite this week against number 7 USC, the undefeated darlings of the West Coast. USC at number 20 Utah is an incredible matchup this Saturday. A spot in the Pac-12 championship is potentially at stake this week in Salt Lake City. And despite that one loss for the Utes in conference, they're in the exact same position as a year ago before they won nine of their last 10 and won the Pac-12 championship. Kyle Whittingham joined me to break down the game, his incredible success in 18 years leading Utah. And we also dug in the weeds a bit about name, image, and likeness, a point of contention for the veteran coach who readily admits he doesn't like the direction college football is heading as he enters the twilight of his coaching career. Coach Winningham, I, I I can't help but think that it feels like this Utah team where it is right now today is very similar to where it was at this point last season. You don't only have one loss in, in conference right now. You're, some people, though, are counting you out, but obviously you got a big game against USC this week. Is that kind of what you're communicating to your team? Exactly. And we uh, we had that exact conversation in our team meeting yesterday that it's very reminiscent of last year and, and the circumstances that we found ourselves in last year. You know, we've got to respond. I mean, we're, we're coming off a tough loss to UCLA. They're, they're a really good football team. I mean, they're uh, as advertised very well deserving of the ranking. Uh, they're 6-0 and for a reason. And so uh, they played exceptionally well. We didn't play so well on defense. Uh, got some work to do, but... <laughs> But uh, yeah, we got to, uh, you know, we've been here, done that, and we've got to be able to respond this year as well. When you look at just the matchups here, I, I, I always try to look at these key stats and everything and break down film as much as I can, but I'm no football coach. But in your, your rush defense, it's been great in all your wins. You're only allowing 83 yards in your wins. In the losses, it's over 240 yards. What has been kind of the, the, the theme there? What has been the issues there in these losses? Yeah, well, in the first game, front seven, our technique, our fundamentals, our tackling was just uh, extremely shoddy. I mean, we just weren't uh, our usual stingy run defense. Then we went for a stretch of four games, like you mentioned, where we played uh, really lights out against the run. And then uh, this past game, it was more, we got big play. You know, we missed we missed some key tackles. We, we lost a few gaps and uh, they made us pay. I mean, when you look at the statistics from this past game, they had... Uh, 500 yards, but only 22 first downs. That tells you there's a lot of big plays going on. And, and that's what did us in this past game was the big plays. And, and due to, like I said, missed tackles and a few blown assignments. 
And kickoff coverage struggled a little bit against UCLA, gave them really great field position uh, at least three times. Has that been an issue for most of the season? Was that just a one-game thing? How much you fix trying to look at that here going to USC? Yeah, unfortunately, that's been a recurring theme this season, and we've got to, we've worked long and hard to try to get that addressed. We'll continue to work at it and uh, got to get it fixed because, like you said, that it did set up UCLA uh, in good field position several times as well as uh, some other opponents this year. And so that's an area that uh, is a great concern and that uh, we're working diligently to try to correct. Cameron Rising, your quarterback's been been fantastic last year and helping you you know win nine of your last 10 games. The Rose Bowl game always sticks out. But that USC game last year, you had a career best performance over 300 yards, four touchdowns total. How important is he to your team, one? And then secondly, how would you evaluate how he's been here almost here to the midway point of the season? Well, Cam is our leader. He's the he's the leader of the leaders, and everybody looks to him. Uh, his value cannot be uh, overstated on or off the field. I mean, he's he's the catalyst for what we do offensively. Uh, he sets the bar for uh, everything we do, you know, work habit wise, weight room, you name it. He's the guy that that's leading the charge. Uh, he's having an exceptional year, just like he did last year. I think right now he's number seven in the country in, in QBR, which which in my estimation is the best barometer of how your quarterback's playing and. Uh, you know he's uh, he's the guy. He makes us go, and as Cam goes, so goes so go the Utes, and and uh, he's been very good the last year and a half. Much more with Utah coach Kyle Whittingham after these messages. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are number one, I think his ball placement for his man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts. I wanted to hit some big picture stuff just because I think a lot of people know of you and of course have followed you, but it's kind of quite amazing, especially when we look at college football the last five years, how much has changed, how you've been able to be consistent and not just consistent, but be a championship winner. This is your 18th year. You've won a Pac-12 championship just this past season. Three of the last four years, you've lost, you've won, excuse me, a Pac-12 South division title, which obviously divisions are now gone. You've had 22 NFL draft picks since 2017. You're 11 and four in your career in bowl games. You've won 147 games, and then you go into this USC game with an 11 game home winning streak, and you're 22 and one since 2018 in Salt Lake City. So, this is a general question. I wish you could get into some type of detail, maybe even an anecdote. How have you been able to make it this consistent for this many years, especially in the Pac-12? In a word, recruiting. That, that's what college football is all about. And I, all the credit goes to our assistant coaches. They're the ones on the front lines that are out evaluating the talent, deciding who we're going to bring into the program as far as visitations and so forth. I obviously look at every film and, and get to know each recruit that we're, that we're on. But uh, the assistant coaches have done a great job. 
year after year upgrading our our roster and our one through eighty five roster. I believe right now is is the best it's ever been, and uh, that is really what it boils down to. Recruiting is going to be you know eighty percent of your success or lack thereof is tied to recruiting. And everybody does it different ways. And the USC, which you host this week, I think they've got thirty three players on their roster that didn't even initially sign with them. Twenty six right. transferred in this past year, and then of course your team. I think you only signed five transfers this past past off season. Everybody, I mean, different strokes, different folks. The the I guess it's kind of like uh, the two opposite ends of the spectrum. And when we talk about how teams are built going into this game, do you see that continuing in college football where people can do things certain ways or different ways and still be very successful? Absolutely. And I think the trend is going to be for more roster turnover each year. Uh, and the real catalyst for that is when the NC2A did away with the 25 initial limit in any particular year, that opened the floodgates to uh, manipulate and turn your roster over as really as much as you see fit. I mean, before, when you only had 25 initials each year, if you lost you know, a bunch of guys, you could only replace them with 25 guys and you're, you're, you know, we're never going to never or very infrequently get to that 85 scholarship limit. But now that the 85 limit is the only thing you're up against with the transfer portal. Uh, it's really, you know, you're going to see teams turn over 50% of their roster some years. And that's, and I don't think that's going to go away. I think that's going to trend uh, more in that direction. And and then you add NIL in, which is the, the wild card to the whole thing. The rich are going to get richer. I can tell you that right now. That's that's just how it's going to be. And you need a, you know, you need a tight end. Uh, you just go shopping for one. I mean, that's essentially what it boils down to. And and uh, unless the rules change or they do something to, to uh, you know, to get some sort of different structure, that's where things are heading. How do you think Utah fits into that? Can, can you kind of continue with the way you've been doing things? Do you adjust? Well, we both worlds? pride ourselves on outworking people and, and being better evaluators and, and that type of thing. But that that's uh, going to take a backseat to, okay, Team B has, uh, you know, X amount of NIL money for every, you know, for per year. And, and where do you guys? And so really what I think is going to happen is, is the teams in the country that have the biggest NIL budget all the way down to whatever the tw- top 25 is going to pretty well mirror that, you know, and it already does to a certain extent, but I think it's going to be even more pronounced, you know, just the haves that have the NIL and the collectives and the, and the 30 or 40 million bucks sitting around to not only take care of the incoming recruits, but take care of the pe- people on your own roster, you know, because people are trying to poach those guys all the time. So it's, it's a different ball game. I, I don't like it, but it is, you know, the way that things have uh, evolved to, and, and I don't see it changing. Yeah. I mean, Utah is a top 25 program. And like I said, you've been consistent through all these years. I mean, are you are you able to consider all of everything that's going on that's new with NIL and be able to keep it in that in that realm? Do you, do you feel like Utah's in a good spot? <laughs> well, we got to ramp up our NIL stuff. I tell you right now, we're a little bit behind and, and uh, we've got to uh, make some progress in that area. And, uh, you know, hopefully we can get uh, you know, get that going and get a little more resources, but but uh, right now it's uh, it's going to be challenging. I ask a lot. I ask a lot of coaches this, and and and, and I rarely because there's just not many coaches besides Mike Gundy and yourself that stay at one school for so long. And I ask coaches about who they admire and everything, but. We see, I talk a lot of assistant coaches who are either getting out of the game because they're getting burned out because the recruiting calendar is just crazy and the coaching and then the demand and everything. And you just keep chugging along. And it seems like just because of what you've done the last four or five years, you seem to be doing the best you've done as a coach, which you might not be able to reflect on yourself in the moment right now and say, yeah, that's true. But because you're working every day, but 
do you want to just keep coaching into your to your 80s? Do you want to do that? Or what, I mean, how do you see this as this kind of unfolding for you over the next few years? Yeah, that, that's a great question. I've been asked that, uh, you know, the the uh, the more years that go by, the more that comes up. You know, I'm 62 years old, so I'm not getting any younger, but still 62. And the big picture is probably not that old, but I guarantee I won't be coaching to my 80s or my 70s. That's that's not, uh, you know, that's not the, the vision I have. But uh, the best thing I can tell you is right now I'm taking it year by year. And as long as I'm passionate and eager to come to work every day and loving what I'm doing, I'll keep doing it. But, uh, you know, as soon as that changes, I've got eight grandkids, you know, the oldest one is six years old. So there's a, there's a lot of other things in my life that uh, when that time does come to, to call it good, I think I'll, uh, I'll have a lot of things that uh, I'll be able to do in retirement. Well, you still have a lot more to accomplish uh, as a football coach. <laughs> my last, my last question is there anybody in the coaching industry, doesn't matter what level they're on, that you really kind of admire that you, every time they speak or they even do a, you know, a coaching session of some sort at one of these conventions that you always make sure to listen to? Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, you talk Andy Reid, me and Andy are old teammates. We played together in college and uh, he's a very close friend of mine and, and uh, have gotten a lot of advice from him through the years. Uh, Urban Meyer, who I work for here, he was uh, the head coach here at Utah for two years. I was his defensive coordinator and uh, really that was two years of the best training you could have got to become a head coach as far as uh, just a master plan and a, a meticulous organizer and a detailed guy. That was that was uh, as as beneficial to me as anything could have been. Uh, Chris Peterson, you know, the, the coach at, uh, you know, the coach at Washington and Boise. I mean, he is in my mind and a phenomenal coach. I, I don't know if he's going to get back in it. If he does, he'll be wildly successful. But but Chris is a guy that uh, I've really admired and looked up to for uh, for a number of years. Isn't it great when a coach is open and honest? My thanks to Kyle Whittingham for joining us to discuss USC Utah and the future of college football. It's a very refreshing conversation, and I think we can learn a lot from listening to veteran coaches like Coach Whittingham, who has been successful practically every year of his coaching career. Number 20 Utah hosts number 7 USC at 8 p.m. Eastern Time Saturday on Fox. For my producer, Lance Glenn, I'm Brandon Marcello, and this has been the College Football Daily. We'll see you down the road. CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. How you survive, you make quick, smart decisions and you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.